episode 70 of the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Welcome back to the Barry Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Today we'll be discussing how to build a customer-focused content strategy. And with us on the show today to discuss this topic is Georgiana Lotti, the VP of Marketing at Unbounce. Welcome to the show, Georgiana. Thank you. And can you tell us a bit about your background and how you ended up at Unbounce? Sure. Um, so I was freelancing at the time. This is back in like 2012. Uh, I was freelancing and I was actually considering using Unbounce for a couple of clients that I was working with. And I ran across actually on Twitter, one of the VCs um, from Real Ventures, which is also the uh, investment company in, in one of them in, into Unbounce, tweeted some job postings. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to sign up because part of the process is you have to sign up and build a landing page. And so I signed up and I started poking around a bit and then I sort of tabled it and went for lunch and was planning to come back to it later on and never did. And with, but a couple hours later, actually the CEO, Rick emailed me and wanted to chat. And so that's sort of how things like rolled out. I guess they were, um, you know, they were doing some pretty hefty hiring at the time. They had just received their first round, um, and only round of funding. Um, and so they were on a bit of a blitz in terms of hiring. So the timing just sort of <laughs> serendipitously worked out. Awesome. And then you know, for the listeners on our podcast who maybe aren't familiar with Unbounce, can you give us a quick 30 minutes on, on exactly what Unbounce is? Um, Unbounce is an online software, so SaaS, for uh, professional marketers to build, publish, and test landing pages for their marketing campaigns. And so landing pages, for anybody who's not really familiar, are basically... Um, you know, they're really important to when you're running campaigns since you can build sort of a dedicated experience um, with only one thing to do on that page rather than sending visitors to your homepage, which is like stacked full of distractions. So when you build sort of dedicated, that dedicated landing page, um, you can dramatically impact your conversion rates and um, obviously the performance of, of any of those campaigns. And part of the reason or the reason that Unbounce sort of exists is because our CEO was a creative director at the time and was trying to get landing pages put up really, really quickly. And he kept calling up our, actually our CTO at the time when they were working together, asking for some dev resources, which was like, yeah, sure, in a couple of months. So the marketing department was always sort of waiting on dev timelines. So in order to sort of alleviate that pain and free up that dev time, um, he thought that a platform that could enable, you know, sort of empower marketers to do it themselves um, would be successful. And he was right. Yeah, definitely. And, I, you know, I, as I was saying to you before we jumped on the podcast, I'm a huge fan of Unbounce and we tend to use them quite a bit with our portfolio companies as we're working through testing different marketing channels with them. And yeah, yeah they've gone through the exact same experience of, look, our, our dev team just can't prioritize this right yeah. now. And that's yeah. when Unbounce is super helpful. Yeah, yeah. It was a pretty big pain for, for marketers in, in like pretty holistic. He did a lot of actually investigation and talked to like, I think about a hundred or so marketers to find out if they had the same problem and they, every single one of them categorically did. So that's why they went ahead. 
Awesome. So last thing before we get started, we always ask our podcast guests, what's one thing that no one on this podcast would know about you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like to narrow that down, hmm, uh, there's probably a ton. Uh, Well, I'm from Montreal, so I love poutine. And that's how you pronounce it. But, oh, uh, maybe I thought little... it was poutine, so that's no, good to no. know. Poutine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but maybe a little bit more relevant was that um, I did go to university and I studied uh, communications, but really where I where I did learn um, to do online marketing was really, I was working for my father's company and I, my first three websites were actually built for him. And so I learned e-commerce and SEO and content marketing and like sort of, I didn't know at the time, but conversion rate optimization as well. Um, so yeah, and that was over about an eight year period. And then I got into like client work and that's where all of this sort of spun out into where I am now. Sure. Awesome. So let's jump into today's topic. Yeah. I think, (laughs) I think we should start by just defining what a content strategy encompasses and maybe you could give us your definition of a content strategy. Okay. Um, well, content strategy, content marketing, really. I mean, if you if we're going to define the strategy, we should really talk about what content marketing is. There's the best definition I have found uh, comes from Content Marketing Institute, as as luck would have it, um, and it's actually really wordy and long. Uh, you've probably seen it, but um, it's like. Are you ready? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> content marketing is the marketing and business process for creating and distributing relevant and valuable content to attract, acquire, and engage a clearly defined and understood target audience with the objective of driving profitable customer action. That is like one sentence. A mouthful. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. But what I like about it is that it encompasses everything that content marketing, like the, the big, all the way A to Z, basically. Um, so the process, the fact that it's ongoing, um, the, both the creation and the distribution, um, both are very important to, you know, uh, obviously the strategy. Um, and it's got to be valuable. So it needs to attract and engage. And also your target audience needs to be addressed, um, which means they also need to be well-defined and understood. Um, and in order to do that, um, you know, you, you've got to actually... Um, you know, do some persona work and uh, some target audience um, uh, work there to defining them. And then, of course, the objective um, is also addressed, which is like the customer action and achieving your business goals. So it's, a, it's long and wordy, but it encompass, encompasses like the whole thing. Right. Okay. So my goal is we get to touch on at least a little bit of each part of that definition today in our podcast. So yes. let's see how well we can do there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's start with, you know, why in your opinion is content marketing and having a well thought out content strategy, a good use of your marketing dollars? Um, well, really, I mean, if I had to pick sort of one thing, cause there's many reasons why, but if I had to pick like the top reason, it would be because it, it because it is a long game. Um, if you're providing a ton of value upfront to your target audience, you're going to be creating a really long lasting relationship with them and loyalty among them. Um, so you're attracting long-term customers, um, and ones that were clients and ones that will value you just as much as you value them. So, I mean, like I said, tons of reasons, like you can address them at every stage of the customer journey and all these things, but like that delivering value upfront makes you a sort of an indispensable tool to your customers and makes you, um, 
hard to leave. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And many of our listeners are likely thinking about or just beginning their content marketing efforts. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do they know what content will resonate with their customers? Well, it sounds really cheesy but and obvious, but it really is, at the very beginning, the most valuable thing that you can do is talk to your customers uh, or talk to the people who are talking to your customers. Um, and, and that's because they, they are going to be the biggest indicator of where they they have a problem to solve and how you can provide them with value. So, you know, what are their biggest challenges? Um, uh, and, and like, what do they ask most often um, when you talk to them, or like, you know, when, when they're on the call, when they're on a call, let's say, asking for help, what are they asking for? Um, you know, you will absolutely be creating value if you answer those questions for them um, and and solve those problems for them, even like one by one, and and very simply, you know that it's value because it's coming straight from from them. Mm-hmm. And so that that all makes sense and. As a follow-up to that, you know, to me, when a company decides to start content marketing, there's a bit of a chicken and egg problem where you don't have your distribution lists yet because you're not creating content. And then when you think about should we create content, it's hard to imagine investing all this time for what would probably be, you know, very few viewers or listeners, depending right. on what you're creating. So. You know, do you just sort of have to accept that in the beginning that you're going to be spending a lot of time and investment on content for not a lot of people? Um, yes and no. I mean, in the early days for us at Unbounce, um, blogging was our big upfront sort of time investment. And um, no, we didn't have a huge audience at the time, but we kept plugging away. But like, it's got to be sort of a twofold approach, right? Like, we spent a, like a ton of time pumping out content that we thought was great, like okay was not good enough. Um, but we also, uh, what we did was we spent a lot of time on um, guest appearances, uh, like guest posting and stuff like that on, on websites like you know Moz and HubSpot where we knew our target audience was hanging out. Um, eventually we started also appearing as guests on webinars and things like that. But um, because we prioritized inbound marketing so much as um as a company, uh, it really, really did pay off because we layered those two sort of approaches, right? Uh-huh, yep, that makes sense. And so um, once a company has committed to content marketing, can you walk us through the different types of content you should be considering? Uh, that would be nearly impossible without knowing <laughs> the business itself. Uh, I would say whatever gets you in front of your target audience should be a winner. Um, so like, where do they hang out? What are they reading? What format do they like to read in? Where are they reading it? Uh, you know, that might mean putting together something as like straightforward as a blog. It might be, uh, it's just as likely that a podcast is better or maybe even a, a format like Instagram might resonate more with them. It really depends on where your target audience is hanging out. Um, and the only way to really know that, mind you, is by creating buyer personas and, and sort of building those out and learning as much as you can about your target audience. You can skip so much headache at the beginning if you learn about where your target audience is. Uh, a blog might not be the best approach, but it's what everybody sort of thinks of first. Uh, and podcasts too nowadays, but 
um, those might not be the best option for your target audience. So you really have to know where they are. It'd be really hard for me to make a blanket. Sure. <laughs> so maybe let's talk about the buyer personas for a minute. Okay. Um, you know, what are those exactly? How do you create them in the beginning? You know, what, what have you done with buyer personas at Unbound? So, um, I mean, buyer personas are, I forget the actual definition of them, but basically you're doing research into uh, defining who your customers either are or who you want them to be. So they, they may not they may not be your customers yet, right? Uh, but there's sort of a data-driven approach to um, creating this persona of you know what their background is, what their habits are, what their challenges are, um, you know, and and sort of creating. I mean, it's it's it is exactly what it sounds like. You're creating um, like a persona. Like you might put them on a board on your wall in the office, or you might give them a name like you know agency Amy or you know something like that. Um, our buyer personas, um, we actually have buyer personas and user personas. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's a little, we're at a more complex like, level right now, but it's most basic in terms of marketing. Um, you know, you can, you can divide them into segments, for example, agencies versus, for us anyways, agencies versus people who do in-house marketing. Those are two very different types of of customers for us and so we separate those into segments and then within those segments we also have um you know like a, an account representative versus a, a performance marketer let's say and so their needs are different and so you address them differently with your content um it doesn't have to be complex you can only have two or three or four at the beginning um you know i think we're probably at about i think we're at five or so um but it's a really valuable, uh, you know, we admittedly did it way too late. Um, but now that we look back at it, it was so, so valuable. We know what we, we know what fat we can trim, so to speak on our content production. And we know where to sort of double down and where our holes are that need filling. Mm -hmm. If you can do it at the beginning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it, it's like, yeah. Well, no hopefully problem. this will uh, encourage people to, to do it now yeah, if they totally. haven't already. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so so walk me through this. You guys finish your buyer personas or your customer personas. You have them up on a board, mm -hmm. and and then what's the move from there? To you take those and how do you turn that into what what a, content you guys like want to create? Strategy. Yep. So um, I mean, it, like I said, admittedly we did not do this early on enough. Um, you know, we are really sort of getting our feet under us with it now, which you know we're like six years in I think it's actually this year is going to be seven um and uh but yeah we about a year or so ago we started really really solidifying these and so basically what we did was we'd lay our customer personas against our customer journey and so there's another sort of you know term I'm throwing out um <laughs> but our customer journey um if you take one customer persona for example um I'm going to try to think of like an easy example but so uh Wow. Well, okay. If you take one customer persona and you lay that across a customer journey, your customer journey is basically how that persona interacts with your, um, your brand or your product, um, or your content for that matter at every stage of their customer life cycle. So that might be from awareness, uh, about your brand to evaluation of your software to, um, you know, engagement to growth and retention. Um, you know, everybody's customer journey, there's, there's like some, 
you know, those three stages, let's say, like awareness, evaluation, and growth. But your customer journey might be a little bit more complex than that, maybe four or five stages. And so you'll take your customer personas and basically say like, this is what this stage looks like for this customer persona. And this is what this stage looks like. And then you can sort of plot out um, what you think, um, what problems you need to solve at each one of those stages of your customer journey. Does that make sense? So that's really what we're doing now um, at Unbounce. We finally addressed this and actually we've doubled down on it. We even structured our department after our customer journey. So we literally have squads at each stage of our customer journey. So we have an awareness squad, an evaluation squad, an adoption squad, an engagement and retention squad and growth. So it's... Uh, it's and those squads are are creating content for that part of the journey? Is that... Yeah. How yeah, to think about it? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And this is how our marketing department is laid out. I mean, it's not the whole company, but the marketing team is laid out that way. Um, and so, yeah, they focus on any content that needs to be produced at that time. So the awareness uh, squad does things like blogging and, um, you know, guest webinars and they think about guest posting and SEO and, um, you know, things like that, even PPC. Uh, and our evaluation squad is doing more things like addressing um technical buyers needs or economical buyers needs. So giving them white papers and, and case studies, things like that. And then the adoption squad focuses on um, content that helps our customers literally adopt our tool. Uh, so, um, you know, short courses or videos, um, tutorials, in-app tutorials, things like that. And then retention, uh, actually focuses on, you know, what you would think it is like sort of growth within the app. So helping, you know, consultants maybe grow their business and offer landing pages, landing page design and optimization, um, and sort of get better at what they do and grow with our tool. Um, cause our customers, you know, being successful is great. <laughs> you know, that's a total win-win. So whatever we can do, whatever content we can provide them and learning we can, we can give them, um, the better it is for everybody. That's, that's great. That was super helpful. Mm -hmm. And to, to just dive into that a little bit more, uh, you know, maybe you could give us one example of some content that any one of those squads has created that was unique or surprised you or just was super successful. I understand mm -hmm. it's different for every, every business, but I think yeah. it's interesting just to hear some things that have performed really well. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, uh, in 2013, we introduced webinars. That was game changer. Um, we didn't quite have our, you know, customer journey as well um, defined as we do now. So it was a little bit like, you know, we were like throwing spaghetti against a wall and that webinar stuck really well. Um, they were a great lead gen tool and they were also great for acquisition, surprisingly. Like, I, you know, when we sort of introduced them, I imagined it was going to be like a brand awareness kind of thing, but it actually ended up being great for acquisition. Um, one of the sort of cooler, more recent things that we've done, which is actually like quite, you know, scrappy for, you know, a marketing team of like 30, um, was note takers, which is awesome. And, and full props to somebody on our team, Chelsea Schultz, who came up with this idea and we call it note takers. And basically we send a couple people to a conference or a talk or an event of some kind, um, like a speaker session. And then, uh, 
you know, we put up a landing page basically that invites people to sign up to get the notes. So, you know, at the beginning of the session, we'll tweet out like, put down your pens, your laptops, no need to take any notes. We're going to do it for you. And so they get to sort of enjoy the talk and absorb, you know, how you should um, and not worry about taking notes. And then after the conference or the event is over, they'll get emailed these really sort of elaborate and awesome notes. Um, and like, it's a super easy thing to pull off. I mean, the, the resources needed for that are, is very little, right? It, it takes one person and a landing page essentially. Um, and the results for, like our lead gen results were amazing. And then of course, you know, that grows our, our list and our, our, you know, our captive audience. And then we get to build a relationship with them and then they, you know, and that's something that the awareness squad, um, has had a lot of success with. And actually there's been a couple, uh, of uh, copycats as of late, but that was something about a year or so ago, I think that was introduced and super successful. I think we introduced it at MozCon, if I'm not mistaken. And it was That's amazing. awesome. Yeah. Very really cool fun. idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, one question for you on the webinars. So, yeah. um, you know, it, do you think that webinars are a good use, you know, how far along into your content marketing were you guys when you introduced them? And I asked that because I just wonder if, webinars make sense for you before you have that distribution before you really have right. a lot of people coming to your site before you've developed a presence in, of content marketing yeah, really i mean it's really tough to say for us we had a built-in audience so we we had a very active blog like i said we did tons of of work on our blog um and so we had this sort of built-in audience that was used to reading our content we also had uh, already introduced ebooks as well um, and so for us, webinars were sort of like our experiment with getting in front of people real time and letting them ask questions of us in real time. So for our audience, it was something that we didn't know. We only realized after we did the first one, but that like they were craving, you know, um, having access to experts and being able to ask us questions, um, you know, immediately. And, and having access to this wealth of, of sort of knowledge, whoever the expert happened to be. Um, and that's what that's why webinars worked well for us. But I can't say that that's necessarily why it would be successful for another company. For instance, a company could start with webinars um, and just use, um, you know, guest um, appearances and experts come on and use that as their way of attracting additional audiences. So one of the sort of awesome discoveries that we made through starting these webinars was that if we bring on high profile guests, um, we also gain access to all of their people as well, which sort of exponentially sort of grows the, the beast. Right. And so, I mean, I can't remember what the exact numbers were, but I mean, we had like, you know, 70 people on our first one. Actually, I think we had more like 25 within like six months. We had gotten up to like 3000 registrations for our webinars, um, which, and this is like 2013 PS. I was thinking that webinars were already old hat in 2013. Like little did I know. Um, I was kind of bullied into doing them. I was like, no, we're too busy with our blogging and our eBooks. But then we decided to do it. And yeah, they were really sort of, um, you know, simple at the beginning and then we got more elaborate with them and of course over time we got to bring on bigger and bigger guests giving us access to bigger and bigger audiences of theirs um but uh yeah i mean again i mean content marketing comes down to providing value if your if if your audience and your target you know your buyer persona um really uh seeks out certain types of information and you can bring on a big name uh, that they recognize and know they will come. I mean, you're giving them super valuable 
access uh, and information. Um, and so, yeah, for us, we introduced it later, but for some people it might work up front to actually sure. grow their audience. And do you guys produce the web the webinars internally or are you kind of outsourcing the production of that? Oh no, we do it internally. Okay. Um, actually we got asked so many questions about how we do our webinars that, um, I wrote a, a blog post in, I don't even remember when, but I wrote a blog post on like the, our 15 step process. And also Ryan, our, um, he's now VP, VP customer success. He wrote, uh, or sorry, customer experience, new title. Um, uh, he wrote a blog post, like a really simple one about the equipment that we use and super popular, like tons of people asked about this. And really it was not a uh, complex setup that we had at all. Like, yes, we've gotten a bit more sophisticated over the years, but at the beginning it was really, really simple. Um, I can maybe get you a link to that for the, yeah, like that the would show be notes. Great. Yeah, I could drop it into the show notes and yeah. we do post a blog post about the podcast. So I will put both of those links in there as additional cool. resources for our listeners. Yeah, we, and we have ones on podcasting too, right? Because our setup is a little bit mm-hmm. different for podcasting than it was for webinars. Uh, po- our podcasting one is a little bit more recent um, just because we started that about a year and a half ago as opposed to webinars, which we started in 2013. So um, yeah. Got it. Okay. So awesome. A, yeah. We always, all write, those. we always write content about how we produce our content because we tend to get asked a lot of questions about it. So there's, t- there tends to be a lot of sort of like yeah, the super chicken helpful. and the egg stuff. But yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. So, uh, to take a step back, you had mentioned before, and I really liked that unique idea of, of sort of what you called scrappy content marketing. Um, mm-hmm. I want to dive into that a little bit. If you a lot of our listeners may be at a point where their budget's pretty minimal. Right. Are there, you know, are there some specific, maybe some more of the traditional content pieces that you think make the most sense when you're, when you've got a minimal budget? Um, again, it's really hard to say. It really depends where your people are. But I mean, like I mentioned before, that the, that lowest hanging fruit will always be solving your customer's problems. So like forget format for a second and think more like the, the creation process. Um, you know, talking to them and finding out what their most, you know, literally most frequently asked questions are. I mean, you can do something as simple as creating, like as a first step, uh, creating an FAQ on your website or something as, you know, um, low barrier as like doing a Twitter chat for your industry. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of sort of, um, really simple, uh, ways to get in there. I mean, you know, some people get into blogging by starting with Tumblr. Um, you know, there's, there's small ways, but like I said, like, you know, the creation process, start with your customer's problems. Uh, and your customer feedback and like sort of think in terms of like an FAQ. Um, but in terms of actual like distribution, it's going to really, really depend on where your people are hanging out. Like that's, you, you can't escape that. Like, What would you say are some of the sort of the cost you guys the least, some of the content that Unbounce is doing? that cost us the least well, note takers definitely was not a big investment. Um, we did something called page fights in, uh, shoot, what year was that? <laughs> I think it was 2014. We did page fights, which was like if literally a Google hangout on air. There, there was nothing else involved. It was no fancy equipment. 
we got Ollie Gardner, our co-founder, um, and uh, Pep Laya from Conversion Excel, two big names in the in the marketing space. And we literally put them on a Google Hangout and they duked it out over landing pages. There was, we asked the landing page to, to um, to sign up and like get involved was to submit your landing page for critique on the show, which was always our most successful webinars, for example, was when we asked people to submit in advance. It's like sort of getting advanced buy-in. Um, and so page fights was pretty successful for that because we had con we had like out of the gate, our first episode, we had, I can't remember what it was. We received something like a hundred or, or something landing pages for critique. So the, the content was, the content wrote itself essentially. And it was a Google Hangout on air, so no additional equipment was required. That's awesome. Another yeah, that was unique a good idea. Yeah, that was a simple one. I'm trying to think of, think of something else. I mean, I don't know. There's been, we've experimented a lot over the years. So, I mean, if you're curious, though, a search of the Unbounced blog um, in the content, in content marketing is amazing. Like, we've done so many experiments. We've run so many experiments. We always tend to talk about how they did or how we did it or how we've seen other people do it. And um, there's so much content on content marketing, ironically Mm -hmm. enough. (laughs) So awesome. So um, let's talk a little bit about sourcing for a minute. Mm -hmm. So, you know, should companies be creating the, this content internally? Should they be outsourcing to an expert in the field? And maybe we could talk about this in light of, you know, having a minimal budget and then maybe having, you know, a, a larger budget down the road. How do you think about the sourcing of, of your content? Basically just who's creating it? Um, I, I always think it's ideal to create it. I mean, the, the creation process, uh, in-house is great. I mean, there's, there's no reason you can't outsource the, the creating and production, but, um, in terms of, um, of sourcing the actual meat of the content, if you can't go internally, then going to experts is, I mean, it's even sometimes preferable to go to experts. Cause like I mentioned before, gaining access to their audience, um, is completely invaluable uh, in terms of like growth and, and your, you know, the word of mouth and brand awareness. Um, but I mean, you know, if you have an internal expert, awesome. Like we started out with Ollie was our internal expert. He wrote a lot of our blog posts. He was our first webinar guest, um, uh, other than an internal one that we did, but, uh, you know, we sort of used, he established his credibility through blogging um, and guest posting. Uh, so that was actually what I was going to say is that uh, aside from creating your own content, you should be creating content for other big players and popular players in the space. So for example, us, um, uh, SEO Moz at the time, but now Moz, we, you know, they had really active communities. So we tried to get in front of their audience as much as we could HubSpot as well. We tried to get in front of their audience as much as we could, uh, with our own internal experts. But, um, our content that we created on our platforms, like our blog and our webinars and our eBooks and things like that. And video series. Now we, we like to, uh, go to source it through experts. Um, like I said, mm-hmm. I, I, so we did a combination of both. It really depends on who you've got in house. Um, and then in terms of actual production, I mean, there's content, um, production houses, uh, that you can use, but just like, 
be forewarned in advance. I mean, obviously it costs money because content marketing is a huge investment um, in time. And so, yes, it will cost money up front, but also it's a very long game, like I mentioned. So you're, you're building a long-term relationship with this content production company if you go that way. Right. Okay, I want to quickly shift into talking about distribution for a minute. Okay. So you've got your content. How important is the distribution to the process? Um, it's half, uh, you, it's gotta be built in from the get go. We do not, and I air quote, put paper, you know, pen to paper, um, without thinking about the distribution of the piece. Um, you know, for example, when we go to write an ebook, um, I'm, I'm just going to pull ebook as, as the one example I pull from, uh, but you know, we will think about who we can get to promote the ebook for us, what levers we will include within the content to help people, um, or not help people, but help, help people distribute it for us. Um, you know, the, the, the experts that are involved and their distribution, um, and, and their target audience and creating value for somebody else's audience as opposed to ours. Like that's all, so that's an example of like a couple of things we think of in terms of distribution. Also, um, format. I mean, uh, that's format is pretty much, um, your biggest, like one of the biggest, like sort of levers in whether or not it will get consumed or not. Like eBooks, a PDF, eh, you know, a couple years ago, yeah, people printed out PDFs and read them, but not quite as popular thing to do now. Um, and so in order you know, for, for a distribution, like a microsite might be better or mobile friendly, um, you know, microsite or, you know, there's a million examples, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. If, um, yeah, going that, that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's great. And then for something like just run with the ebook example for a minute, you know, once you guys release that content, which channels are you releasing it on? How are you you know, are you doing Twitter? What what other channels do you think are essential to getting your content out there once you've once you've created it? Right. We we invested upfront heavily in our Twitter following. Um, that was a, a big. That's our biggest distribution channel is Twitter. Um, we do Facebook and you know some LinkedIn and things like that. I mean, we even did Pinterest at one time. Um, but in and we do Instagram, but not necessarily for content distribution. So yeah, Twitter is definitely a big um, channel for us. Um, but again, like when we go to produce something like an ebook, um, we will think about what type of co-marketing opportunities there are. So what other companies, audiences would benefit from it, and we really bake that into the whole process. Like without a partner or partners to distribute it with us, we you know, we don't, we don't go to print, so to speak. We will always want somebody else involved in the distribution process with us and somebody else to benefit from the content, create the content with us even potentially. Um, but yeah, so definitely co-marketing and Twitter. Um, and also sometimes what we'll do is we'll take a piece of content that worked really well in one format and distribute it in another format. So turning an ebook into a podcast or a blog post into a webinar or things sure. like that. Perfect. And then my last question for you is, you know, content marketing is naturally a long-term play. Mm -hmm. You build the content, you put it on your website, it, it's there forever. 
or until you take it down. So mm-hmm. how do you guys at Unbounce think about what, what has been successful for you? I mean, how do you really track your results? Yeah. Um, so the first little while, uh, we were like chickens with our heads cut off and we were just pumping out as much as we possibly could. And we weren't actually worrying about tracking all that much. Um, I mean, we all know that's kind of a silly approach to take and you know, we're much more sophisticated now. And I would hope that even startups, um, even with very, very small teams are more sophisticated than that now. But, um, generally what we do to track uh, a piece of content's success, um, because we have our team, well, because we create content, forget the, the team structure, but because we create content for different stages of that customer journey, we do have KPIs or key performance indicators for each of those stages of our customer journey. So awareness, um, our, you know, one of our KPIs might be um, unique visitors, for example. Um, at evaluation, it might be a trial start. At adoption, it might be paying us twice. Um, you know, at retention, it might be uh, an upgrade or adding a feature um, or adding a client account, for example. So we have sort of indicators at each of the stages of our customer journey that tell us that we're doing our job. Um, and so each of those, the content that we create at each one of those stages, basically, it either accomplishes those those goals or it doesn't. And so we've, we've, we've broken it down over the customer journey. Um, and then, of course, we have different platforms um, that can, you know, tell that story for us at each of those stages. So it might be our blog or it might be our own platform, like the Unbounce app might tell us, um, or it might be, you know, a marketing automation platform or whatever. But that's sort of where we will source our KPIs and see if we're doing our job. Perfect. That is super helpful. And then do you have... Any final thoughts for our listeners? I think we've done a relatively good job of touching on each part of that definition of content marketing, but if you had any final thoughts. Um, Yeah, I mean, I would just say concentrate on creating value first. One of the things that was was said to um, Ryan and I early on, Ryan, the VP customer experience and myself, like we were both like director of customer success, director of marketing. And early on we were told, um, by one of like the sort of mentors of the company, like create content so good that somebody would pay for it. And that really, really stuck with us through the whole thing. So we, thankfully our CEO totally believed in the power of inbound marketing and content marketing. And he let us sort of like run amok creating as much as we possibly could of this stuff. Um, but value upfront, worry about acquisition. I mean, it sounds a bit silly, but like worry about that second worry about, you know, think about how you can create value for your customers first. Um, and, uh, the rest sort of magically falls into place. I mean, obviously with, you know, I, I don't want to make a blanket, like it's not that simplistic, but value first, concentrate on that upfront and, uh, you should, you can figure the rest out after. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you Gia so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. Walk on the slippery rocks, religion.